Did you know that the gospel is being proclaimed throughout Israel today? And did you know that both Jews and Arabs in Israel are responding to it? My special guest today is a Messianic Jewish leader from Tel Aviv. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My special guest today is a dear friend of mine of many years by the name of Avi Mizraki. He is visiting the States from Tel Aviv, Israel. Avi, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. It's always a joy and a blessing to be in your presence. I love that beautiful smile of yours. And uh, just welcome to Texas. Thank you. You know, this really is God's chosen land right here. It's not Israel, it's Texas. <laughs> oh, me. Well, I, 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 no rebukes, okay. Tell our viewers about your remarkable ministry in Tel Aviv. Well, uh, I pastor a congregation, uh, Adonai Rui, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, it's a wonderful growing congregation of uh, Jewish people, Israelis, locals. And I started many years ago as an evangelist, a full time evangelist, and I opened this uh, evangelistic center by the name of Dugit. What does that mean? Uh, Dugit in Hebrew means a small fishing boat. So you're fishers for men? Fishers of men in Tel Aviv, Israel. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us about the different aspects of your ministry. Um, well, we, um, we go out to the streets, share the good news, invite people for a free cup of coffee. And then we have also a distribution center where we reach out to the poor, to the needy, to new immigrants, single mothers. And we work with the social affairs. Of the and how do you do that? Do you supply food and clothing or what? Yes, we supply bags of food every family. We, I would say about every month about 100 families come to our center. We give them bags of food and we share. The, because they ask us, why do you do that? We tell them because we love God and we love you in the name of Yeshua. And then we give them Bibles in Hebrew, Russian, Arabic. We even yes. had an Arabic woman coming. And uh, this is how we reach out to the city with the gospel. Well, you know, there, uh, I'm familiar with a number of ministries in Israel, both in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa, various places. And some of those, particularly ones uh, established by Americans and run by Americans, uh, are not very evangelistic at all. In fact, some of them are just not evangelistic. They're just there to give comfort and aid to the Jewish people. But you have an evangelistic ministry. You're really concerned about the souls of the yes. Jewish people yes. and the Arab peoples. And you really do reach out in a bold way, don't you? Yes, yes, because I believe I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to us who believe to the Jew first. So I appreciate all these wonderful Christian organizations who do a great job but my heart and desire is to see Israelis, local Israelis, coming to salvation. Well, that's one of the things that I love so much about uh, you and your ministry is the fact that you really are evangelistic. In fact, you're the most avid evangelist I know of in all of Israel. And I have to tell my favorite story about you. Uh, folks, you, you won't believe this, but uh, one time uh, Avi uh, went out uh, to the beaches of Tel Aviv. Uh, this was during the uh, Feast of Tabernacles when everybody takes off in Israel. It's a week of, of vacation time. And there's hundreds of thousands of people on the beach lying there looking up at the sky, sunning, and he gets an idea. So he goes out to the Tel Aviv airport and he hires an airplane 
airplane there that pulls banners behind it. And he has this airplane fly up and down the beach with a banner that says, the Messiah has come, and a phone number. And uh, that caused quite a clamor, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody's lying there looking at the sun. (laughs) And we have people calling. They want to know. And we told them, we're so happy you called. His name is Yeshua. I'm sure the Orthodox were not pleased about that. No, they were not. Okay. Well, thanks for the general introduction. We're going to come back in just a moment and ask you some very specific questions about your ministry. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. I'm in the process of interviewing a dear friend of mine, Avi Mizraki, an evangelist from Tel Aviv, Israel. Avi, tell us about your remarkable testimony. I'm telling you, every time I hear this thing, I just get so excited. How did you come to know the Lord? Good question. I was uh, born and raised in Jaffa in Tel Aviv. The Jewish family finished high school. Then I joined the army. You know, in Israel it's compulsory. Everybody goes to the army. The boys, three years. Girls, two years. So I went to the army and I joined the Israeli Air Force. And then I signed one extra. So I was four years in the Israeli Air Force. And uh, when I finished my duty to my country, I saved some money. I said, okay, I'm going to go to America and explore America. Now, of course, I was lost in sin, and all I wanted to go to every discotheque in town, every nightclub. I had plans to go to Las Vegas, gamble, make money, and all this. Oh, going to make money in Las Vegas. <laughs> Boy, you really were deceived. <laughs> That's right. That's true. And uh, so I came to America, and my first stop was to visit my sister in Florida. She's married. And I didn't know she's a born-again believer. Ooh. So uh, I stayed with her a couple of days, and then it was Sunday, and I was asleep, and, and she got dressed, and, and then she came and woke me up. She said, Avi, get dressed. You need to go with me and my husband to church. And I said, excuse me, what did you say? Church? Are you crazy? Don't you know we just don't go to church? What's wrong with you? And this was my, was my first reaction. And, and of course, she laughed, and uh, she said, that's not what you think. Come and check it out. Bring your Hebrew Bible. She gave me a challenge. And I said, okay, I'll go and check it out. But in my mind, I'm thinking about historical churches like we have in Israel. Yes, you know, oh yes. Those monasteries, those, we call them dead museums, you know. Yes. Um, monas- uh, cemeteries, you know, they, they have, never mind. Anyhow, yeah. so I go there and I'm expecting to see monks and nuns and statues of Mary and statues of St. Peter, whatever. But it was a wonderful Baptist church in, in Gainesville, Florida, and on campus and uh, you know, the University of Florida. And I was in shock to see so many people. <laughs> and they had a choir and they had worship and singing. I was so shocked. And I looked to my sister like, where are all the monks and the nuns? What's wrong with these people? And, and this was my first uh, reaction, which is normal for a Jewish person when you take him to church. So I encourage Christians, don't be surprised. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that was your introduction to real Christianity. And as a result of that, you came to the Lord? Yes. yes. How fast after that? Well, I was provoked to jealousy. There you go. (laughs) I was provoked to jealousy to see how those people love God, love Jesus, and and, and they were happy. And and then I heard the message for the first time in my life, the gospel, that God is a loving Father. And he wants to have a relationship with us on how he sent the Messiah Jesus to be the atoner for our sins. And then did you get any Bible school training after that? Yes, yes. After I got saved, uh, I was baptized, met my wife, got married. Then I want to get some training. 
At that time, there was no, I'm talking 32 years ago, yes. there was no Bible school in Israel. So somebody encouraged me to go to, to Dallas. So I went to uh, Christ for the Nations in Dallas. Christ for the Nations in Dallas. They, wow, that, that's, uh, that's great. Well, uh, I tell you, what, isn't the Lord great the way He touches yes. people? And I mean, you, you have really a kind of a road to Damascus type of experience yes. here where the Lord just suddenly revealed. But you know, I think the average American cannot really understand what you're talking about about how Israelis view Christianity unless they've ever been to Israel. Because most of the churches there are just full of, of all kinds of idols and, and incense and monks and nuns and, and uh, very dreary, very, very dreary and often very hostile. I mean, yeah. I've, had, I've had some of them chase me all around the church. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, very upset. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable the kind of, of feeling Christianity has in the Middle East as opposed to true Christianity. And so uh, I just praise God that He got you in that situation and turned you everywhere but way but loose. And I think you've been trying to make up for lost time ever since then. <laughs> now you mentioned uh, at that time there were no uh, Bible stu uh, study places in Israel for a Christian, but that indicates that there are now. Yes. So you have some places in Israel that are really Christian Bible schools. Yes, there is Bible schools, Christian Bible schools, and we have congregations all over Israel. The body of Christ has grown so much in the last... Do you have any estimation of how many Messianic congregations there might be in Israel? Yeah, I would say um, locally in Israel, I would say there's about 250 local congregations. What I mean by that... I would say about 100 maybe Arabic-speaking congregation yeah. Israeli, and about 150 Jewish, Jewish congregations, Messianic, which is Hebrew-speaking, and some of them are from Russian immigrants, and uh, uh, Ethiopian, Amharic, and some uh, Spanish, and, and some French, because yes. we have immigration from all those countries, right. and we have congregations uh, all over Israel. So I would say totally local Israeli congregations, born again, love the Lord Jesus, about 250. Now you just said something that I'm sure was a great surprise to many of our viewers. You said that there are Arab yes. Christian congregations. Yes, yes. And most Americans are not aware of that. Yes, yes. And do you have any relationship with those Arab congregations? Oh, definitely, definitely. I've spoken in Arabic congregation and we had Arabic uh, pastors come and speak in our congregation. We have a wonderful relationship where we pray together for, for our country. We take communion together. Uh, the Lord is doing something beautiful. There's such a unity among us. Now, you know, here in the United States among evangelicals, for example, there's a lot of variety. Yeah. And is that true in Israel among the Messianic congregations that you might have some that are more charismatic than others, maybe some that are more uh, Jewish in the fact that they conduct their sermon, uh, services completely in Hebrew or, or as opposed to some other language. Is that, is that true? In general, yes. But we don't have so much the background of denominations yes. like you have here. Yes. Uh, I would say very much the, every, uh, every congregation is led by a pastor who is like a pioneer who came, got saved somewhere in the right. States or Europe, was provoked to jealousy, and then started a small Bible study and grew to a congregation. And we relate to one another because we are a small body. And we need one another and pray for one another. Now, quite often when I talk about supporting Israel, uh, which I believe in very strongly, uh, I'll have people say, well, I don't know how you can support a nation that is so hostile uh, to what you believe, so hostile to Christianity. They'll say, don't you know it's against the law to preach the gospel in Israel? Now, that's a widespread concept. Yeah. Speak to that for a moment. Well, yes and no, and I need to explain it. Uh, first of all, Israel is a democratic country. Yes. We have the freedom of religion, freedom of worship. 
Yeah. And that's the only country in the, uh, the, the whole of the Middle East. Uh, the whole Middle East, yeah. exactly. Uh, nevertheless, it's, a, it's the only Jewish country in the world. And uh, the Orthodox rabbis years ago, they, they have a lot of power in the Knesset, in the government. They passed the law called the missionary law. And basically they're saying that you're not allowed to proselytize and try to convert someone to another religion by bribing him, uh, offering goods to convert to another religion because they think, why would a Jew forsake his heritage, his faith, his traditions, and now worship another god, worship three gods, and all what Christianity, Christendom, the Inquisition, the Crusaders have done to us. Why will you do that unless you are bribed with money? There you go. And when I go and share the gospel, I don't bribe people with money. I don't have money to give them, but I have, them, I have the good news to give them, there that the Messiah has risen and he's alive. So you're saying that you do have freedom to yes. proclaim the gospel. Yeah. But that freedom also, the, as far as the state is concerned, but yeah. on the other hand, in the process of doing that, you experience persecution. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I've actually seen your face on wanted posters. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Explain that. That's true. You see, the, the religious orthodox, they see when a, a Jew can believe in Buddha, can be a traitor, can be a gangster, he's still a Jew. <laughs> but when you believe in Jesus, that's Thank it, you're cut no off. Jew. You're all over. So, so they see you as a traitor. So the religious, they support an organization called Yad Lachim, the anti-missionary society, mm-hmm. and they are vicious. And they believe that like like. Paul, before he be accepted the Lord, you know, before he became a believer, he, he fought with all this time because he believed they have to stop from this to happen. It's, they see it as a heresy. And, and I've had uh, threats many times in my life. They threatened my, to burn my place. In fact, every time they funded where I rent, then they go and find mm. the landlord and threaten him. I've had like, we have other congregations like in the south, Arad and Beersheba, where we, they persecute, they will stand outside the congregation and, and curse and prevent people to come in. So we've had those uh, yep. uh, harassment, I would but say. But you know what I, I noticed one time as I was watching this is that it backfires on them. And yes. I, what I have in mind is the fact that I, I have a, a, in my mind a, a, a vision of you all down at the, at the fountain there in Tel Aviv, yeah. and you're handing out right. brochures, yeah. and so people are saying, no, no. But then along comes an orthodox, and he is screaming and yelling, and suddenly everybody wants a brochure. Exactly. Because the attitude in Israel among the, the secular population is one of animosity toward the orthodox. And so if the orthodox are against something, they're for it. That's right. Uh, because, and the reason for that is because even though the Orthodox community in Israel represents only about 15% of the population, they nonetheless have a lot of political power and they kind of cram their lifestyle down That's the right. throats of the average Israeli, so therefore That's they're right. rather hostile toward them. That's true. That's very true. And you know, the secular Israelis, we are the ones who, who work and pay taxes. We go to the army, serve in the army, where the religious don't. Yeah. And, and, you know, they get subsidies from the government, they get money, we, we don't. So it's like the, the secular very much are in favor of us because they're fed up with the religious. Yes. And, you know, religion doesn't bring any life. Only well, Jesus does. Well, uh, you have to understand the political situation in Israel where you, you don't vote for individuals, you vote for a party. Yeah. And when the elections are over, usually the Labor Party and the Conservative Party, uh, uh, they both have about the same amount of votes, yeah. uh, say uh, 80% of the votes, 40%, 40%, there's 20% that were gained by the religious parties. Right. So then they have to negotiate with them to get the power in the religious parties, even though they're small in number, they come in and say, okay, everything must be closed on the Sabbath. You've got to give uh, money to our schools and so yeah, forth and so exactly. on. In order to exactly. get the power, they have to do that. Exactly. So they enforce their lifestyle on the whole nation. 
And that's why the secular have come to a place where they're, they, they, they are so against them. Yes. They don't want freedom. And that's why we, we say it's a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel because Absolutely. only Jesus can set us free. Amen. <laughs> well, what is it like to live in a nation where you know that missiles could start raining down upon you any moment? Well, you, it really um, it teaches you to be on full alert. Our army is in highly security, and uh, they, they, uh, uh, we are trained uh, to whenever there is something, we deal with it right away. Uh, we cannot afford waiting days and days and days because, you know, Israel is such a small, tiny country compared to Texas yes, <laughs> or yes. to America. So uh, we are trained in Israel to be on full alert. Uh, our soldiers are doing a wonderful job to secure our country, uh, and that's the lifestyle we live in. Well, I tell you, it, uh, it's really something because um, I can remember years ago, I used to go over there when wars were going on. I'd take groups over, felt completely yeah. safe because yeah. the wars were usually very short, and uh, I knew Israel was going to win them. Yeah. But now, when you consider the fact that when a war breaks out, uh, you're going to have thousands of missiles coming down. In fact, I read the other day that someone said uh, that there are probably 200,000 yeah. missiles aimed at Israel right now. Yes. And the, the, the next war is going to be a whole different kind of war. Yeah. But one thing about it is re Israelis build for war. When they build a town, everything's built of concrete. Mm -hmm. uh, every, everything, uh, you're never with, uh, very far from a bomb shelter, it's anywhere you are in every, Israel. Every building has a bomb shelter. Uh, every building has a bomb shelter. Uh, and yet, the thing that, that gets me is the double standard that exists in the world. Uh, you know, whenever they attack you, uh, the world just stands aside and watches the, the attack. But the moment that you begin to win the war, then the United Nations says the war has to stop. Take the 1973 Yom Kippur War where you all attacked on, unexpectedly on Yom Kippur and, and you were almost lost that war yeah. and yet you came back, you, you conquered the Sinai, you crossed the canal, you went into Egypt, you conquered the entire third army of Egypt, you started toward Cairo and the moment you started, oh, we've got to have a ceasefire. But if, if you're losing, no. And, and there's a double standard also. They can come in and, and rain missiles upon you, but if you start responding in kind, the world condemns Israel by saying, oh, well, you've got too many, uh, you know, uh, civilian casualties and you're not, you're war, uh, war criminals. Isn't there a double standard? <laughs> That's true. That's Tremendous true. double standard. That's true. Well, uh, we pray for you. Amen. We pray the Lord will, uh, I, you know, I pray every day that the Lord will put a supernatural dome over Israel and Amen. protect that nation. Amen. And of course, you have some new weapons that help you yeah. to take down some of those missiles as they come in. And I'm thankful we, for that. We have also a secret weapon. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> the Lord of hosts. There you go. <laughs> Amen. You know, my favorite cartoon, political cartoon about Israel, shows all the nation, uh, shows a tug of war going on. And an Israeli is holding a rope, and all the leaders of all the other nations of the world are pulling, but they can't move him because the finger of God is on the end of the rope. Amen. And I like that. Amen. Yeah. Okay, well, our presidents always approach, every new president comes in, they're going to solve the Middle East problem. And they're going to have the political solution to the Middle East. And they spend so much of their time, energy, effort, and money on that and never make any headway. Aren't they making a mistake in thinking of the Middle East crisis problem as a political problem instead of a spiritual problem? Yes, I totally agree with you. Because this is not uh, uh, something that can be solved politically or diplomatically. This can be so. It's a spiritual war. It's a religious war. And 
only when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Yeshua, will return back to Jerusalem. The Prince of Peace has to come. The Prince of Peace. And this goes back to the time of Abraham. Yes. I mean, this is a long-seated conflict here. (laughs) And another thing that people do not understand is that it's not just Arab against Israeli. If the Israelis were to disappear tomorrow, still the Middle East would be a cauldron of conflict. Because, you know, one of the things it says over in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures, there is a covenant there that God gave to Ishmael. And part of that covenant was that you would... You would be a people who would always be fighting each other, and they fight each other all the time. In fact, you've got the Sunnis against the the Shiites right now killing each other. So it's not just an Israeli problem. That's right. Well, what about American support of Israel? Why should any American support Israel? First of all, because we are the best ally. Israel, <laughs> well, that's true. We, we love America, we, we support America. And, you know, even when September 11 happened years ago, you know, we in Israel, we cried. I mean, Israelis came to the American yeah, embassy. While the Palestinians were dancing in the streets. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. yeah. So yes. we are your best ally, first of all. Secondly, because I believe both of us, Israel and America, is, uh, the foundations have been Christian, Judeo-Christian foundations on, on the Bible. Yes. And I believe we have so much in common, and we need one another. Well, yes, uh, Israel's the only democracy. Israel gives us a lot of intelligence information about what's going on over there. Uh, Israel is always coming up with all kinds of innovations, most innovative people in the world and, that we can apply to our weapon systems and so forth, and plus the, all the biblical reasons. Amen. I mean, there's just so many reasons that we should be supporting Israel. In that regard, why do the Jewish people believe that land belongs to them? Uh, because it's written. We have the taboo, you know, we have the, how do you call it in English, the, the paper the, to the prove paper. the you paper. Got the deed. The, the deed, that's it, the there deed. It is. That's what the word I was looking. Well, you do. Uh, God gave that land to the Jewish people yeah. for eternity. Yeah. I mean, forever. Yeah. And he renewed that covenant that he made with uh, Abraham. He renewed it with Isaac. all of the successors yeah. of Abraham. And um, even in Psalm 105, David talks about that that being a covenant that's still in effect. Amen. And uh, when the Jews began to go back, now another myth that, that, that Americans have really bought is that there was once a Palestinian state there and that the Jews came back and destroyed that Palestinian state that's and the true. Jews grabbed all that land and stole it away from the poor Palestinians who are true. now living in refugee camps. What do you say about that? That's, tr- that's not true. That's a lie. Yes. You see, when the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD and the city, they burned the city and they took the Jews as slaves to Rome, the land was left desolate. Yes. And uh, until that time it was called Israel. But then the, the, the Caesar at that time, he changed the name from Israel to Palestine. Why did he call it Palestine? Because he said we named it after the Philistines yes. and, and who lived in Gaza. And in and, and this way nobody will claim it because there is no Philistines. So it will be a desolate and nobody will live there. And that's how it was for It became a total years. desolation. That's right. And there was never any Palestinian state. That's right. No Palestinian state ever existed there. And yet people talk today about there being a Palestinian state. They talk about there was never a temple on the Temple Mount. Uh, uh, There's so many lies that are going around that it's kind of like Goebbels under Hitler. He said, if you tell the lie big enough and long enough, people will believe it. Now people are believing there was never a temple there. Uh, The Jews were, they're even denying the Jews ever were in that land. I mean, it's just unbelievable. That's crazy. But... uh, when, and, and the truth of the matter is that when the first Jews began to go back to the land in the early 1900s, they bought the land. They, That's right. I mean, they paid 
incredible prices for a land that nobody wanted. It was a land of malaria swamps and exactly. barren. The trees had all been cut down. The, the Arabs must have laughed all the way to the bank yeah. about these crazy Jews paying this money for this land. And the Turkish Ottoman, you know, when the Jews came, Tel Aviv was born like this way. Right. They, they gave money to the Turkish Ottoman and they were like, what are, that's crazy. They're giving gold and cash money for, for sand. Now you mentioned something few minutes ago that I'd, I'd like to come back to, and that is you talked about how for many, many years, every time you got a place for your congregation to meet, the Orthodox would come against the owners of that, threaten the owners, and then the owners would evict you. And so you were kind of like nomads moving from one place to another. I know because I've visited all these places over the years. <laughs> what is your situation right now? Well, um, God is good. That's, that's uh, the first of all. Secondly, um, We've been praying to buy our own place. Yes. And uh, we, we, let's say, uh, about a, half, a year and a half ago, um, the land refused to renew the contract for our coffee shop. And we found a, a small bicycle shop that we negotiated with the lady, and uh, she wanted a certain amount of money, and, I, and she wanted cash on the table. I said, well, I need time to, to raise it. So I raised it in one year, about $1 mm. million. Dollars. Then when I came back to her, she said, I want $2 million now. She raised it to 100% because this is Tel Aviv. The prices go up yeah, every uh, year. It's very, very expensive. It's the most expensive city in the world. It bypassed New York City. But I told her, you're greedy, no deal. So all I can do, I said, Lord, here we are, Lord, we pray. And I said, Lord, what should we do? And then God just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, opened a new venue uh, I, I cannot give too many sure, details, but in general, God has opened for us a big place where we can buy it, and the landlord likes us, and he wants to sell it to us. And there we can feed the congregation, the house of prayer, the distribution Praise center, the everything. And we're believing God for a miracle because none of the churches in Tel Aviv own property. So mm -hmm. this is going to be a breakthrough for us. Yes. Now, there are some in Jerusalem that own property. Yes, in Jerusalem, but yes. this is going to be a real breakthrough. Yes. And what a need for cause Tel Aviv is one of the most secular cities I've yes. ever been in in my life. Yes. It really is. It needs the gospel Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and my special guest, Avi Mizraki, who is a Messianic Jewish leader from Tel Aviv, Israel. His ministry is one I want to urge you to support. Tell people how you get in touch with your ministry. Well, you can go to our website, www.dugit.org. And Dugit means little boat. That's right. Because they're fishers of men, folks. Yeah. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing that you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. What is Messianic Judaism? Is it biblical, or is it just a disguised form of Judaizing? And how does it relate, if at all, to end-time Bible prophecy? These and many other questions about this remarkable movement are answered in this 65-minute video album titled Messianic Judaism, which contains interviews with Joel Chernoff and Ted Pierce. Joel Chernoff is the General Secretary of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America. He's also the one who pioneered the development of Messianic Jewish music with the group he called Lamb. In like manner, Ted Pierce is a leading composer and performer of Messianic Jewish music. One of the highlights of the album is the music it contains. Joel and Ted each sing two of their original compositions. The album can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. And with each order, we will also include a copy of another video program called The Middle East Crisis in Biblical Perspective. 
This is a 50-minute video program featuring a sermon by Dr. Reagan, in which he uses scripture to clearly demonstrate how the struggle in the Middle East is a spiritual one that can never be solved by diplomacy or war. In his analysis, Dr. Reagan weaves together his knowledge of international politics, his understanding of Bible prophecy, and his experience from having made over 40 trips to the Middle East. Again, both videos could be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Ask for offer number 379. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 